All right, so, um, you know, we started learning uh, the base measures from Mishpitzah. So we started was it, a little bit before Purim, whatever it is. So as we sort of travel through the Purim season, so I, I, I did the best I could to, to sort of continue with that flow of the base measures of Mishpitz, you know, from beginning in Viter, but connecting each one to the Tukufa, the time that we're in. So I'm going to try to continue to do that. Uh, maybe it will take us till Pesach, but... Uh, so, so tonight we're going to move on to, uh, again, it's, 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 uh, again my, my, my intention is that each one of these shirim should be self-contained, by, understood by itself without needing too much background. But those that haven't, you know, sort of been with us in the beginning of this whole uh, lima, certainly this is sort of the, like the next step of it. But uh, connected to the time that we're in right now between Purim and Pesach, getting ourselves ready, getting ourselves ready for Pesach. So we'll begin like this. You know, there's, um, I've, been, I've been quoting this. We haven't seen it inside yet, but I've been quoting it already uh, for some time. A tar from Rabbi Nachman that one has to, one to appreciate Pesach, one has to see it as part of a process that's that began on Purim. So take a look; you'll see what I mean. So in Marmokin number one, so Sefer Kut Meram is in Chelik Beis Simen Ayin Dalit, and specifically in the get to this week, we know that this Shabbos. I think, right? Unless I'm mistaken, the Shabbos is Parshas Par, right? Okay, Baruch Hashem. So, uh, so Parshas Par, so we learned about Paraduma, the red heifer that was used to, uh, to purify someone that became contaminated to a dead body. And the reason why we do that before the month of Nisan is, again, back in the times of the Beis HaMikdash, to bring a card and Pesach, you need to make sure you're a tar. So we needed to get the word out to remind people to purify themselves. Now, if we're still reading it to this day, when that's uh, unfortunately not relevant nowadays without Mashiach, without the base of Migdash, so clearly there has to be something else involved, that somehow the Paraduma is, spiritually speaking, uh, conceptually speaking, a, a not concept that one needs to go into Pesach. But that idea of Paraduma, as we're going to see in a moment, not only is our int- entrance into Pesach, it's also coming from Perm as well. So it's sort of the bridge between the two worlds of Purim and Pesach. So Rabbi Nachman writes like this: Achar Purim, after Purim, Karim Parshas Para. We lay in Parshas Para. Shuachan LePesach. Parshas Para is the Hachan, it's a preparation for Pesach. Why? Ki Parshas Para Karin Kedei Shiunis Harin LeTayr Metumas Meis. Right, because as I said before, you lay in Parshas Para to remind ourselves to purify ourselves from any contamination. Kedei Shiutar Lasts a Pesach, in order that that we should be able to bring the Karim Pesach. Ubatchila, now fine, so therefore in a certain sense, obviously, para is an introduction, is a hachan, a preparation for Pesach. Ubatchila hubachinas pur. But where does paraduma come from? So Vinachman says paraduma does not come out of nowhere. Paraduma is a creation from Purim. What starts off as pur, right, the lot, the girl that Haman draws, and that's the name Purim. Kipur malshem hapur. Achakach nasa para. So the pur of Haman, the girl of Haman, is Purim, and that turns into Para. We know Pur, Pei Vav Resh, and Para, Pei Resh Hey, is the same Gematria plus the Kailo, which is always what you're able to do. Kigam Purim, hu because Purim has to be seen as a preparation, as a Hachana for Pesach. So something is going on that in order to have Pesach, you need Paraduma, but Paraduma is itself coming from Purim. So Purim flow, turns into Paraduma, which then prepares us for Pesach. Okay, so you have to figure out what that means exactly. Okay, put that to the side, we'll get back to it. All right, so when it comes to Pesach Bechlal, there's a very big, general, there's a general rule, a concept we have to appreciate when it comes to Pesach, which is that Pesach should not be seen as a redemption of a, the, the, sort of a, the first exile we had as a people. Okay, we are Mitzrayim, we'll get out of Mitzrayim, Okay, and we celebrate that, finished. And then it happens to be, we went into other exiles, and we got out of those, and Bez will get out of this one too. It happens to be, it's just the first gula. It's not like that. Yitzis Mitzrayim has to be seen as the seed from which all future redemptions uh, develop. Mitzrayim itself was, in a certain sense, not just the first exile, but the racist, the the seed, the, 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 an exile that contains within it all future exiles. And Yitzis Mitzrayim, is the is a redemptive energy that contains within it all future redemptions as well. The truth is, we say this in davening every day. And my welcome number two in Myrev, 
a little bit of chakras as well. We say v'yoytzis ame Yisrael that Hashem took us, the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim l'cheres oylam for an eternal, eternal redemption. Cheres oylam doesn't mean that we're never going to go back to Mitzrayim in particular. Cheres oylam means that all cheres, all redemption, is an expansion, a development, an unpacking of what happened by Yitzhak Mitzrayim. This is why in the, in the Haggadah, for example, I mean, there's a lot of references to this, but uh, in the Haggadah, one of the strange paragraphs that we mention is the uh, conversation, the bright it's the Mishnah, back and forth between Ben Zayma, that Ben Zayma said that he had a whole, you know, with their Elizabeth ben Azariah, that Elizabeth ben Azariah said that he always wanted to prove the point that you should say, you should talk about Yitzhak Mitzrayim at night. Right? And he could never prove it until Ben Zayma came with a drasha and the Chum disagreed with Ben Zayma and said, no, the Pasuk that you're trying to use as a proof that you should say Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, mention Mitzrayim at night, of kol yimei chayecha, that's the Havilu Maisa Mashiach. The truth is, the whole thing is strange while you're talking about that Pesach night. You, that, the, the discussion over there between Ben Zayim and the Chacham Relaz Ben Azariah is the mitzvah of mentioning Yitzhiz Mitzrayim every day and every night, not specific to Pesach night. But one of the reasons why you're even mentioning that is because of the point of the Chachamim, which is that, that there's an Indian of, of remembering it season time even when Mashiach comes. Although Mashiach is going to, that redemption, would overshadow the redemption of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Right? So why is it necessary to mention Yitzhak Mitzrayim even when Mashiach comes? Chazal even compare it to a mashal, to a person that was walking, traveling the road, and uh, he you know, bumps into a certain wild animal and miraculously is saved, so he's all excited about that. And then a little bit later on, he bumps into an even you know, more dangerous animal, and so by the time, he, you know, and he's saved from that as well, and so his celebration of the second danger, you know, it, he completely forgets about the first one. So by the time a sheikh comes, it's going to be such a greater redemption than Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Why even mention it? Well, the answer is, of course you have to mention Yitzhak Mitzrayim when Mashiach comes, because even Mashiach is, is just an unpackaging of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. It's all coming from Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So that's the reason why we mention it. So that's what it means, that Mashiach is, uh, again, that's Yitzhak Mitzrayim, is a which means that on some level, what's going to be experienced or the process of, of Mashiach is going to have to be seen as nothing more than just a, an un- like I said, a reflection and unpackaging of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. But here, here's the problem. The problem is that the, the method, the, um, the, the type of geula that we experience with Yitzhak Mitzrayim seems to be the exact, I can say opposite, but very different than the type of geula that Rabbi Hashem wants to do and is going to do, Bez Hashem, with the coming of Mashiach. For example, and, and it, it might seem initially as a, as a certain, like, just a, a detail, but as we'll see in a second, it's not just a detail. It's a major, it's a fundamental point. Yitzhak Mitzrayim took place, as we know, very quickly, very quickly. I mean, we were there for 210 years. But Lamaisa, the Pasuk describes it as Bichipazin. We had to quickly, you know, when, when Pari gave us permission, the next morning we leave, you know, as everyone knows, and not enough time to bake the, bake the bread. V'chul, v'chul, everything's Bichipazin. Even the night before, when they're eating Karim Pesach, they're eating it with their shoes on and their belts and their coats, as if they're rushing out. It's Bichipazin. So Yitzhak Mitzrayim, that gula is quickly, hastily, rushed even. Mitzacheni, Mashiach comes, the Pasuk says, specifically not, you will not leave the final Golas quickly. It's going to happen kima kima, slowly, slowly, not bichipazin. Okay, so it's a little bit funny. If Mashiach, if the coming of Mashiach is what, is nothing more than an unpackaging of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, well, I don't get it. Yitzhak Mitzrayim happened bichipazin, and Mashiach is going to come the opposite of bichipazin. Now let's understand this. This is not just a side a side point. The Indian of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim happening in was had is the is the very definition of of an incomplete redemption. That's the very definition of why Yitzhiz Mitzrayim is incomplete. Take a look at Maramukha number three. Okay, this is from the Sharkavan, this is from the Arizal in his drushes about Pesach. Now, I'm not going to be able to explain all of this, if any of it, but, uh, but you'll, you'll, you'll see the basic idea. He's talking about the, the Maisa, when Maisha Rabbeinu has his first prophetic experience by the burning bush, yeah? So it says like this, I'm the Maisha Rabbeinu b'mar When Maisha Rabbeinu sees the vision of the, uh, of the snap of the burning bush, Shobeinu goes Mitzrayim, 
And that burning bush is, uh, the whole thing over there was a representation of, of the Galas. Now, this was in Moshe Rabbeinu's mind. Now again, I'm not going to be able to explain this, but just to hear the words. The Rizal said that the main damage that, that was caused, that was the cause of, of Golis Mitzrayim, again, we're not going to explain what this means or how it happened, it's not for now, but the main damage, the, the Pagam, that was ultimately the, re- the reason for, for Golis Mitzrayim was because a, a damage that took place in the name of Yudke Vavke. Okay, whatever that means, however that happens, a Pagam in Yudke Vavke. And we know that everything in Tyra, a complete system is always 10. 10 is always a complete system, which means that on some level, again, whatever this means is not for now, there was some sort of Pagam to the system, like the complete system of Yudke Vavke, or in other words, like 10 Yudke Vavkes. Now, Yudke Vavke equals numerically 26. 26 times 10, it's 260. Therefore, in Moshe Rabbeinu's calculations, in order for the Gula to be complete, in order for us to fix the problem, we would have to have been in exile for 260 years. Imkain, Hemshech Yimei So Moshe Rabbeinu's calculations were that the length of Golas should be Yir Kemis Bar should be years corresponding to the 10 Yudke Vavkes that were damaged that, again, somehow that were the reason for the Golas, which were removed or damaged because of their Averis, which is the Gematria of, of, of 260. And this is the meaning where the Pasuk says, by the burning bush, that Hashem saw, turned to see the burning bush. The first thing you ask was, it's, 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 it's an, unnecessary pause, an unnecessary word. Hashem saw that Moshe Rabbeinu was looking at the burning bush. That Moshe Rabbeinu turned to look. He looked. He turned to look. The answer is, Kisar Liris is a remez, that the Rabbana Shalom understood that Moshe Rabbeinu was misunderstanding something in terms of what Gala, how long Gala should be. Moshe Rabbeinu was under the impression that what? Kisar Liris. That the Gala is going to have to be 260 years. What Hashem is noticing is that the perspective, the, 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 the vision, the intellectual understanding of Moshe Rabbeinu, that Gaul should be 260 years. And at that point, it was only 210 years, which means Gaulus is not over yet. It's incomplete. The damage has not been fully fixed. But this is where Hashem responds to Moshe. No. You're wrong. The end of Gullus is not, doesn't, you don't have to wait till 260 years. Rather, although the damage that was done, is in the name 10 Yudkevavkes, all you have to wait for is the completion of 10 Ekes. Eke is numerically the value of 21. 21 times 10 is 210. Right? The Hebrew Dushan, that's 210 years. And that's why in the, the story of the burning bush, when Hashem, Moshe Benu asked Hashem, what name am I going to tell the Jewish people that they're getting out of Golis with? The answer is the name Eke. The name Eke, and that's the Chiddush. Now, uh, what that means, Yudke Vavke, damaging, is not for now. And what it means that instead of Yudke Vavke, it's the name Eke, we'll explain Mamish a little bit in a moment. But when you read this, it might seem, okay, Moshe was wrong. Moshe was wrong. Moshe had a certain thought that the Golas is going to correspond to 10 Yudke Vavkes. He was off, really, it's 10 Ekes. Instead of 260, it's 210. But the truth is, Moshe Rabbeinu was not wrong. Moshe Rabbeinu was not wrong. The Rizal explains, the Svar Maktashim explained this as well, that the reason why, the reason why Golas Mitzrayim was incomplete was because it was Bichipazim, because it was too early. Because it was too early. Everyone knows it's a famous thing. Now, whatever this means also, it's hard to know. But the Rizal, it's attributed to the Rizal, that if the Jewish people waited any longer in Mitzrayim, right, they would have fallen to, they were already in the 49th level of impurity. They waited any longer, level 50, and then reboot the system, right? You have to start all over again, whatever that means. But what, what that statement of the Rizal, going back from the Zara Kavish, what that means is that Moshe Bin was right. The re- tech, if there was time, if we had the, the, the time to be able to wait, Golis Mitzrayim should have been 260 years, which would have given us enough time to fix year by year all the damage that was done. But because uh, for a certain calculation, certain cheshbonas, the Jewish people were holding by a low place, 
the Rabbani Shalom had to bring it a little bit premature. And although Moshe Rabbeinu was right, it should have been 260, the Rabbani Shalom is saying, listen, I have no choice, we're going to make it early, 210. And because of that, although Mitzrayim was an amazing thing, it's by its very definition an incomplete redemption, because of that. The chipazin, the hastiness of, of Gulas Mitzrayim, meant that it's, that it's by its very definition an incomplete redemption. <clears throat> this is why the name Eke is the one that's being used to explain why it's 210 years. Rashi already says from Chazal that when Hashem said the name Eke, He said, Eke Asher Eke, I will be as I will be. And Rashi says, what does it mean? Eke, Eke means, Eke Asher Eke means, just like I'm with them in this Golas, so I'll be with them in future Golas. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, you know, Dayal Tzar why do you have to bring up future Golasin right now? So Hashem says, fine, just the name Eke. Don't tell them Eke Asher Eke. But you see right that the name Eke is a name that indicates I'm being with you, I'm going to take you out of Golas, but it means that there's still something left to work on, and that means you're going to have to go back into Golas. By the way, the, the, those extra 50 years, this is already not for now, but for those of us that have been like following previous year and other series of like Sunday morning, you'll appreciate this, that those 50-year difference between 210 and 260 correspond to the five Gilgulim, the five incarnations that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to have to come back in order to finish the job that he started with Gulf Mitzrayim. Moshe, Rishim Barichai, the Arizal, the Baal Shem, and Rabbi Nachman. And each one, just as the name Yurke Vavke and Eke, each thing is a system of 10. It's a complete system. So that all together is 50. That's also what it means when Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu by Har Sinai, when the sin of the golden calf was taking place, Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Leich reid kishich go and descend because your nation has sinned. So the Zohar Kaddish asks, what does it mean, Leich reid? What does it have to say, go and descend? Raid, go down. Go to the exit, go to the, go, you know, go to the door and then go down. The word Leich is Bigmatria 50. Leich reid kishich is a hint that the reason why there's a problem right now, the reason why there's the Egel, is because of those missing 50 years. And it also is a remez that Moshe Rabbeinu, you're going to have to go down five times, and each time, a, you know, a completion of 10. And so that's the 50 times. So in other words, what we're seeing from here is, is that this Indian of Gulas Mitzrayim, of Gulas Mitzrayim being Bichi Pazin, it's not just like, okay, it happens to be, yeah, it's a certain, you know, Mitzrayim is going to be Bichi Pazin, and, you know, and, and that's just a certain quality that Mitzrayim has. That, that's, that's not a side point. That, that's a defining factor of the exile, of the, of, the Gula, of the redemption of Mitzrayim. And that quality is the very definition, it's the very point of why it's an incomplete redemption. So here, here's, the, here's the Shiloh. So again, going back. On the one hand, we've learned that Yitzhiz Mitzrayim is Cheres Oilam. It's an eternal redemption. It's an eternal redemption, which means that the Gula is going to happen in a way that's reflective of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. That's where it's all coming from. That's the seed that the plant of all redemption comes from. But if the Gullus of Mitzrayim, if, if the redemption of Mitzrayim, I'm sorry, if the very foundation, the very, it's not a side point, the very nature of that redemption is that it's quickly, that it's before its time. So how could that possibly be the very, the very foundation and the seed for eternal redemption? That doesn't make any sense. If, again, if chipazin, if the fact that it came quickly was just a, a side point, okay, fine, so it's a side point, whatever it is. That's not a side point, that's the definition, the, the, the very nature of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim is such that it's b'chipazin, that, it that it was before its time. How could a ge'ula, a, which it's, which it, whose definition is premature, be a root for, for eternal, fully, fully developed redemptions? This is a power. How could those two things go together. The truth is, more than that, based on this idea from the Arizal, what we see is a phenomenal concept, which is that there, 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 is a, there, are, there are things that have to be worked out for a gula to take place. It's not just like, again, when we're little kids, we have to sort of shed immature ways of thinking about Yiddishkeit. We think of it as, from the time we were kids, that we're bad boys and girls, so Hashem punishes us, we're in Golis, and uh, we try to work on ourselves, and we try to ask forgiveness, and when Hashem finally, finally has enough compassion, we'll say, you know, fine, okay, come back. That's very childish, and that's just, it's just incorrect. Golis, like the Rizal pointed out, whatever it means, we don't know what it means, but it means something big. That the damaging of Yud Kevav case, who knows? There's stuff that has to be worked out, and every single moment, and every single 
every single second, every single minute, every single day, every single week, every single year, there, there, there is a certain aspect of tikkun, a certain aspect of rectification that's now accessible to us. And so it, it, things take time. Just like in Gulf's Mitzrayim, it, was 200, it should have been 260 years, corresponding to the gematria of the 10 Yud Kivavkes, which means that every year of Gulf's Mitzrayim, they were given... The, the, every year of Gulf's Mitzrayim was a physical reality that was being presented to them based on one of the numerical values of those 10 Yud Kivavkes. And, and their job during that year is to fix that particular aspect of the divine names. You can't jump the gun. It is, it is what it is. This year... We're connected to the letter Yud of uh, the fifth Yud Kevavke. You want to you want to say a gula now, but you have you have a bunch of letters to fix. Those letters come with coming years. You it is what it is. Every moment is an is an entire reality that is being presented to you to fix, and that reality is the only the only reality that you can fix right now. And soon, you know, the conveyor belt of time is going to bring to you more things to fix. But it is what it is. You got to wait for those things to come. And that's what the Rizal is revealing to us, is that therefore when, when the season time took place early, it's not like Hashem finally said, okay, you know what, fine, let's go. It's not like that. It means that there was still stuff on the conveyor belt, broken, you know, kalim, broken shards on the conveyor belt, still waiting to be fixed. And they weren't fixed yet. So we have to then go back. And, and you know, we're not as big as those Neshamas anymore. So now it takes much more time to fix that. What they can do in one year takes us hundreds of years. So that's just, that's just the way it is. So there's a certain din, there's a certain, uh, there's a certain bi'ita. And that's what we talk about, Mashiach coming, there's a predestined time for Gula. Why is that? Why would there be a predestined time that no one knows about, only God knows about, a predestined time for Mashiach to come? What's Tom? He made up the whole idea of Gullahs is because we did something, we're, we're, we're bad boys and girls, we were sent, we were kicked out of the house, and Hashem says, okay, you know what? If you apologize, I'll bring you back early, but if not, I have this, this certain date that I just decided randomly, in 2,000 years from now, that's going to be the time. It's not a random thing. Whatever the pagamin, whatever the damage, whatever, whatever thing, whatever divine realities need to be corrected and rectified by our specific mitzvahs in those specific moments, it, it's set up in certain times. And by the time that particular day of bi'ita comes our way by the conveyor belt, that's the last piece of glass. That's the last piece of broken, uh, broken pottery that we're able to fix. And so then, when that day comes, finished. So the, the, the problem is, is that what about the whole idea of davening for Mashiach, right? So, so according to this, what do you mean davening for Mashiach? You want Mashiach to come from Meher of Yemenu Amen? Why Meher of Yemenu Amen? That's what we had with Yitzhak Yisrael, we had to go back. And it got even worse. So what does that mean, Bechlo? So there's such an idea as Bi'ita, but there's also an idea of Achishana, right? That if we're worthy, we'll make it come quick. We already had such a thing by Yitzhak Yisrael, and it backfired. Can't say it backfired, but you see, it's incomplete. You can't, you can't, you can't rush it. You can't rush it. So what do you, you know? You want to if, if you're baking uh, something in the oven, you know, especially when it comes to baking, where it's like well, an exact science. It, it says it has to be in the oven for 350 degrees for 40 minutes. You say, yeah, 30 minutes is just is good enough. It's not. It's not. It's not going to be fully cooked. It is what it is. Babies develop nine months. That's that's the way it is. Too early is dangerous. So this whole in, so so again, the, the two two problems. Yitzis Mitzrayim, by its very definition, was a gal, was a geula that was premature. It was too early. So the question is, how could a gulas, how could a geula that's early, be a seed for a geula that's supposed to be complete? How's that possible? And number two, if geula we see when it's done when it's brought early is incomplete. And the only way to have a full gula is to wait until the right time, until it's finished, until everything is taken care of. Then what, then what does it mean to be mitzapali shul? What does it mean to want Mashiach, to daven Mashiach, to hope Mashiach comes right away? So that means that you're just hoping that, this, that the next moment is the bi'ita? That has nothing to do with you. Like, okay, if it is, it is. If it's not, not. Like, what's the avoid of wanting Mashiach? What's the avoid of davening for Mashiach to come? Mashiach should come the right time. When a, when, a, when a woman is pregnant, no one davens that the woman should just give birth as soon as possible. Chaz v'shalom, we say, it should be b'shatayv matzlachas. It should be the right time, the right way. So that, that's how, that's, that's, uh, and, by, and by Mashiach, it's not a matter of davening for that. It's, it's for sure going to be the right time. By the, when the conveyor belt is finished, it's finished. It's the whole Indian of Tzipis of Yeshua. It's a pella. It's a pella. Okay. And the, by the way, and this is a big kasha, 
on Pesach. So all of Pesach, again, is, 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 is celebrating its season's time. What is he celebrating its season's time for? You should have waited another 50 years. And the whole thing of, of Seder night is that the first half of Seder night talks about Yitzhi Yitzhi The second half of Seder night with Kaishol Yo and so on is, is talking about Mashiach. Already from the beginning of the Seder, we're already seeing about Mashiach. HaShatahach, L'Shanabah Ba'ad Yisrael, HaShatahavdin, L'Shanabah B'nei Chayrin. There's a Mashiach Dika vibe. There's a Mashiach Dika energy by Seder night. Right? And that's all because Yitzhi Yitzhi is the root of Gula. Root of gula. Yitzchak's time is the root of a premature, underdeveloped, half-baked gula. So how, how does how does a gula shleima come from that? And how do we daven for Mashiach if we need Mashiach to be complete? Okay. All right. So now we need to uh, get back in Dishbits. Take a look at my remark number four. Okay. So the answer to all of this is going to be para para duma. Okay. How so? So this is from uh, Sadi Sharim. Uh, Sefer Sadi Yisharim is from the, uh, the Ishbitzer's grandson. It's in Parshas Par, the section of Parshas Par, Eishchaz. So he quotes like this. It says in Pasuk, B'dchu Ba'ashem Adayad, Ki B'ko Ha'ashem Tzurei Lama. It's a hard Pasuk to translate, but B'dchu Ba'ashem Adayad, trust in Hashem forever and ever. Ki B'ko Ha'ashem Tzurei Lama, I guess a simple translation, because Hashem is the one that formed all worlds. Hashem is the one that created all the worlds. So you might as well trust in Him. Now, but Chazal darshan like this because they they're bothered with the double lush and kibaka Hashem tzorilam. I mean, ki Hashem tzorilam. What's me kibaka Hashem tzorilam? So Chazal darshan kibaka Hashem tzorilam means that Hashem created the world with the letters yud k. Letters kibaka Hashem tzorilam. That Hashem used yud k to create the world. So there's two problems with that. First of all, that's not that doesn't seem to be true. Hashem used all four letters yud k vav k to create the world. It says all the svarim bring this. It's, it's a well-known thing. Yismucha shemayim esagal arts. The heavens should rejoice and the earth should be happy. Yismucha shemayim is yudke. Vesagal arts is vavke. Yudke always corresponds to the spiritual world, and vavke corresponds to the physical world. So Hashem used yudke vavke to create the whole world, physical and spiritual and physical. So kibakashem tzorilam is incorrect. Half of the universe was created with yudke, but what about the bottom half of the world? It's vavke. Aleph. Beis, what does that have to do with the first part of the pasuk? Bitchu b'Hashem Adayat, to trust in Hashem forever and ever because he used the because he used the letters Yud Kei. What, what, what does one have to do with the other? Okay, Ubir b'Zeh Adani Avi Zatzal. So the the Sadi Shem quotes from his from his uh, from his grandfather. He writes like this: Shabbatuchais Shal Yisrael. Where does Jewish confidence come from? It's a major subject in Israel. It says confidence, Jewish confidence. Where did and that's when the word bitachin. By us, we usually translate it as trust, to trust in Hashem. In Ishbitz, Abitachin means confidence, tekifus. It means, uh, you know, it's like, uh, even in Israeli Hebrew, you know, Abitachin is like uh, insurance policy. You know, it's like, betachin. For sure, for sure. Huh? Betach, right, betach, confidence, right. So he says like this, Shabituchay Shal Yisrael. So where does Jewish Bitachin come from? Usually we tend to think that what, that what you're confident in is something that you're in control of, right? I'm, I'm, I, could be, uh, I, could, I, could, I could be rest assured that, uh, that, uh, that I'm going to hold on to this jacket because I'm wearing it. If you're holding on my jacket, then I can't be sure I'm going to get it. Maybe you'll, you'll, you'll want to run away with it. But something that I'm holding on to, it's mine. I have confidence in. I have confidence that it's that it's uh, that it's that it's that it's okay. Says the Ishvitzer, that's the opposite by Yid. By Yid, what gives us confidence is the realization that any everything the Rebbeinu gives us, he's still holding on to. He's still holding on to. There is not one thing that the Rebbeinu gives the world, gives reality, and then lets go of. There's nothing that he fully gives us. He's always holding on to the strings. He's always holding on to it. And that's what gives us confidence, he says. The Iker confidence that you didn't have is is only with the realization that whatever you have is still being held on to by the Rabbana Shalom. Chazal already say this by the Luchas, that the Luchas were given, there were six, uh, six by six by six. The Luchas were given in such a way that Hashem Kiviochel was holding on to two Tvachim. Moshe Rabbein was holding on to another two Tvachim and two Tvachim in the middle. Right? And so that, that, that uh, visual of the luchas being given in such a way, that is, that is what gives a Jew confidence. Whatever you have, you could be confident in because it's not fully yours. 
And the Rabbanu Shalom never gives you anything completely. The Rabbanu Shalom is always holding on to the other half of it. He explains. You see this from a Gemara Brachas. The Gemara says, The Gemara says, That if you see a Jewish king, there's a special bracha to say, Blessed be Hashem, who, who, who gave of a, a portion of his honor to those that fear him. If you see a non-Jewish king, there's also a bracha, a little slightly different. You say, Blessed be Hashem, who gave of his covet to his creations. Now, by a Jewish king, the language is chalak, chalak. By a Gaisha king, it's nasan. What's the difference? Hainu. Ki nasan moira shekvar nigmar hanesina lehem. The word nasan indicates that it was given and finished. It was given and it's no longer by the Baruch Shalom. It's now completely by the non-Jewish king. That's the non-Jewish king's perspective. The word shecholak means Cholak means the Rabbanu Shalom is giving you a portion of it. And he's still the Rabbanu Shalom. I'm just letting you hold on. Just letting you hold on. And said the Ishbitzer, from the fact that the Rabbanu Shalom is still Meshutaf, he, he has never let go of anything he's given us, it might sound kivyachal as if it's like, you know, Rabbanu Shalom is being stingy. Like, why is he not allowing us to just grab it and run with it? The answer is, this is our main confidence. Why? You see, because as soon, kivyachal, if you could imagine, like conceptually, if the Rabbanu Shalom were to, get, were to give us something completely, then it's already set with rules. See, when, when it's something is still by, by the Rabbanu Shalom, it means it's still by the manufacturer, and it could still be changed. Nothing is set. Nothing is set. Once it's given over, once it leaves, you know, once you uh, drive it out of the lot, finished. You know, then, there's no, then, then the, uh, they don't have responsibility anymore. It's not your responsibility, and it is what it is. It is what it is. If something got something, if Chas v'Shalom, the Rabbanu Shalom would have made the world in such a way where whatever it is that he's making is done, it's finished, it's certain sense of completion and disconnected from the source. That means that whatever it is, it is, and it's unchanging, it's unchangeable. The biggest chesed in the world is that the Rabbanu Shalom made the world in such a way where nothing is disconnected from its source, nothing is finished. Nothing is finished, nothing is detached, nothing therefore is completely rigid. Everything is therefore malleable. What we think of as absolute is not absolute. Logic itself is not absolute. As I meant, I've given this example before, one plus one is two. That reality, that construct of one plus one is two is something that God created, but he did not give it over to us completely. He doesn't give anything over to us completely, which means that as rigid as it might seem to us as one plus one is two, lav davke, doesn't have to be. Not only does it not have to be before the world was created, it doesn't have to be right now. Because even right now, that, that, logi- that logical construct has not left Hashem's hands. It's still by the manufacturer, so to speak. And this is the reality of all miracles. All miracles function like this. The Rebbe is not breaking, the, he's not like, okay, you know what? You know, he, he gave us uh, the world and he, gave, he created nature. And the Rebbe says, okay, you know what? They're really messing this up. I have to step in. It's not stepping in. The whole thing was never, it was never, there was never, it was never released. It's all still part of the Rebbe Shalom, which means, so he now he brings it down like all the way. Hainu. He says it's like this. Shafilu Now this is a classic Ishbitzer Indian, which is also Breslov as well, that this could be a source of confidence on the one hand, or a source of, um, what's the word? I can't say fear, uh, but a source of um, the opposite of confidence, but not in a bad way. Humility, anxiety? Humil- no, anxiety is already bad. Humility, yeah, a certain sense of humility. You'll see, you'll see what I mean. You'll see it together. Maybe you think of a better word, or a word. Which means that even the biggest neshama, the biggest tzaddik in the world, has nothing to be mispor about, has nothing to sit back on his laurels and say, you know what, I'm the biggest person in the world. You know why? Because of everything that I've done in my, in my entire life until this point. And I have no reason to think that whatever, whatever has happened in my life until this point is there. It's not moving anywhere. It is what it is. It's already in the past. 
and past is. And so I'm therefore going to carry with that reality absolute to, my, to, the, to the next day. And when I wake up tomorrow morning, I'm still going to be the Tzadik Yisrael Island. Why? Because I was Tzadik Yisrael Island yesterday. The answer is, there is nothing that's certain. There is nothing that's certain. Whatever is given to us as rigid and as defined and as, and as concrete as it might seem, it's still, tutfachim of it is still in the Rabbanu hands, which means that there is nothing that's certain. Your past isn't certain. The gifts that a person has in the past are not certain. Now that's a, it's an overwhelming truth to, to process sometimes. So he says like this. So the biggest nesham in the world has to see this. And therefore the biggest sadik in the world always has to be, has to be wrapped up in Yeras Hashem. Yeras Hashem, it's, it's hard to translate in Ishmael what Yeras Hashem means. Uh, you know, the Ishmael just says, you know, there's a, there's a vart that he said, you know, the, the carbon taida, which is a Thanksgiving offering, right? That the miracle happens to a person, they're saved, whoever it is, you bring a carbon taida. The carbon taida is only eaten one day. It's only one day, which is very unique. Most carbonists, at least uh, two days and so on, especially Shlamim. Yeah. So why is a carbon taida only that day? So the Ishmael just said, because a miracle happens to you, no leftovers. No leftovers. Just because it happened, just because you had a good day, not a guarantee that tomorrow you're going to be able to carry it over tomorrow. So, and his lashon is, you're maidal over, you thank Hashem for the past, but tzayik alasid, and you scream and you daven for tomorrow. There's no guarantees. There's no guarantees. That's an overwhelming, that's an overwhelming Indian. But he says, kach, and the, but the opposite is also true. On the other hand, the biggest nisham in the world can't rely on their accomplishments of yesterday. And the smallest nisham in the world can't give up because of their lack of accomplishments of yesterday. Where is my help going to come? What am I? Look at, look at, my, look at my history. Look, look at my kachas and efesh. I have nothing. What do you mean nothing? If everything is still in God's hands, and the Rabbana Shalom is infinite, and it ha- nothing has settled, nothing has concretized yet, so Mimela, everything is possible. Everything is possible. This, this, there's a Sikh from the Bavitch Rebbe used to say this also. The Bavitch Rebbe, there's no one that was more in our times that was more about like, you know, I don't care and, at all what you've accomplished. It's all about what you're going to do weiter, as is, Bavitch is Rebbe, right? There was, there's countless uh, stories of, you know, or videos, you know, people coming to the Rebbe, you know, uh, or Shluchim bringing their biggest donors, right? People that have donated a million dollars, whatever it is, and they're expecting like, at least Yashikayach. And what does the Rebbe always say? Okay, so give more. Now, now you give, uh, give you a bracha, you should give double. You know, something like that. Like, like it's, there's no yashikayach. Why? Uh, what in the world does yes you have to do it tomorrow? Nothing, nothing, is, nothing is concrete. Nothing is, uh, everything is still biyad Hashem. Everything is still biyad Hashem. V'zehu, this is the meaning, ki Hashem Hashem the source of bitachin, the source of Jewish confidence is what? Is because even though it might seem to us that there's yudke, which is the manufacturer, and there's vavke, which is, what is when, when, it, when, it, when you drive it off the lot, but the truth is, that's all from our perspective. The truth is, ki Hashem The truth is, it's yudke, and it's still yudke. Everything is still by the manufacturer, and that's why a Jew could have bitachin. That's why a Jew could have confidence in this world and not give up and not assume that everything is, uh, is what it is. Because you, you're, you're always biyad Hashem. Always biyad Hashem means that, that anything is possible. Anything is possible. There's nothing that's concrete. Ukimavur bazar, like the Zara says, Almi love yudke. Again, like we said and I mentioned in the beginning, the higher world is yudke, and the lower world is vavke. And there seems to be this mechitza between the two, right? So there's a, there, yeah, there's before creation, that's yud K, and then there's after creation, that's vav K, and it is what it is. And there seems to be like that wall. Amru Zalba Medrash, Bechazal saying the Medrash Gehelas, Machatsti Vani Erpas, says the Medrash, I, the simple, simple translation of the Pasuk is Machatsti, I, I cause damage, Vani Erpa, and I will heal. But the Chazal say, Mechitza Shasisi, this mechitza that I've created, shall yoinim kayomen, that the higher world live forever. Malachim, you know, and so in the higher world, they don't, there's no death. V'tachtoin in mesim, the lower world, there's death. And he said, that mechitza, I'm going to heal. 
I'm going to heal. And the entire idea of there being a divide between Yud and Vav is only our perspective. The truth is, and this is the secret of Paradigm. The secret of Paradigm is what? Is that not, even death itself is not certain. Even death itself is not final. There is nothing that's absolute. This is why Paradigm is the classic chayk, right? It's the absolute chayk. It's the one mitzvah that it's, a, it's, a, it's I can't say it's the only mitzvah, but it's the, the, the representative mitzvah, to, it's a mitzvah that represents that whole category of mitzvahs that, don't, that the human mind cannot comprehend. Let me ask you a question. The Rabbanishal made the human mind. So why did, he make, why did he not give us the capabilities of understanding those mitzvahs? The answer is that's what the mitzvahs are. The point of those mitzvahs is to indicate that it's not fully yours. The, the seichel is not fully yours. Mitzvahs are not fully yours. These are mitzvahs which represent this Indian that bring to light this point that nothing is fully given to us. If it's fully given to us, then you should be able to understand it. The fact that it's given to us in such a way that you can understand it means it's not fully yours. You're not able to be typhus it. You're not able to mentally grasp it in full because it's not fully yours. And therefore, davka the paraduma, which is the mitzvah that represents our our lack, our, 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 our lack of control over the gift of Torah is also the mitzvah that, that brings purification from death itself. Death is, is, a, is a result of one of the most absolute realities that we could all conceive of, which is time itself. Time is, is, is absolute. It is what it is, you know? You can't go back in time. You know, father time always wins. Right? And when things are bound to time, it means, time means that you're moving away from the beginning. If you move away from the beginning, it means you're moving towards the end. Death autom- is an automatic reality once there's a concept of time. That's, in a certain sense, how time is gauged, is, is measured, based on things deteriorating on a certain level. So time itself, time and death are, inter- are, are bound to each other. If there's such a phenomenon that's called paraduma, to purify from death, it means that even the, the biggest concrete, the most basic, Bereshus Baral Akim, and as the Vilna Gaon Teich, Bereshus means the very first creation, that's the bedrock of all the creations, is time itself, Bereshus, beginnings, middles, and ends. That, that concept of time itself, that itself is not fully given to us. That's also not fully given to us. It's also still Biyad Hashem. And it's still malleable. Bitchub Hashem Adayad. So he says like this, And therefore it might seem to a person that there are certain things that they've done in the past, for example, that cannot be fixed. It is what it is. Guy doesn't have error many times. They're in lifestyle and they think that uh, tshuva is impossible. It's been taken away from them. That despair itself to think that what's done is done and it cannot be fixed that itself is the Tumas Mace. That is the, the that's the Tumma that comes from death itself. So he says in the next line, Lukach number eight, so that's the eights of what? That's what Paraduma means. I knew Adam Shapir, that a person should know, that you don't know everything. The Torah was given to you in a way that you can't fully understand it. Why would Hashem do that? The answer is because it's not fully yours. Oh. If the Torah is not fully ours, and everything is created from the Torah, that means that nothing is fully ours. It means everything is still connected to the manufacturer. Everything is still yud If everything is still yud it means that it's, it's not bound to the rules and regulations of our perspective of Avke. Take a look at my remark number five, based on all of this. The Me'a Shiloyach in Mechelech Alf, on Meseches Brachas Chosayin in the base. The Gemara says like this. The Gemara says, "Rav Tzoli Shal Shabbos Bar Shabbos." Gemara. The Gemara says, "A few more minutes. It's really late." But Rav, da- the Gemara says, that "Rav Davin." Rav was the one that was mechadesh. The Rav uh, revealed the, this idea that although during the six days of the week it's good to Davin Meiriv late when it's already nightfall, so you could say Shema at the proper time, but by by Friday night, in order to be mechabel Shabbos early. Early. Rav Tzoli Shal Shabbos Be'er Shabbos. Rav Davin Shabbos, Davining, Meyer of uh, Kabbal Shabbos and so on, Friday night, he Davined early. Zashamar Kosov. Said the Ishbitzer, what's the secret of that Gemara? What's Rav revealing to us in Panemius? Zashamar Kosov, this is the meaning of the Pasek. Karva El Nafshi Ga'ola. 
We say this by Luchadaydi, that Hashem, you have brought Geula early to me. Karva el Nashil, you have brought Geula to my soul. What does that mean? Ki Hashem isbrach yachal l'kari v'itam. Everything is still beyond Hashem. There is nothing that's absolute. Time itself is not absolute. If Hashem wants time to speed up, if Hashem wants, if Hashem wants to bring a predestined time earlier, that's also possible. That's also possible. Kach tzoli rav de Shabbos berev Shabbos. And this is the meaning of rav davening Shabbos berev Shabbos. If it's Erev Shabbos, it's not Shabbos yet. What does it mean to daven Shabbos davening when it's still Erev Shabbos? The answer is Paraduma. Paraduma says, Paraduma says that time itself is a construct that has not been fully given over to us. Which means that although there's such a phenomenon as time, which means that those moments which have yet to come, those shards that are still waiting on the other end of the conveyor belt, and we have no choice but to wait till they make their way to our moment, that's a construct that it's only from Vav K. But the truth is, it's still Biyad Hashem. And if it's still Biyad Hashem, it means, paradoxically, I don't know how this will happen. But somehow, in some way, the Rabbani Hashem could get those moments, shtup now. And there's such a thing as Biyit Achishana. Biyit Achishana doesn't mean that there's two options. Either Mashiach will come in its right time, after we fix every single piece of time on the conveyor belt. Or, the Rabbani Hashem will say, you know what, okay, don't worry about that stuff. We're being Gula right now. No, that's not the pshat. The pshat of Bidachishana is that somehow, in some way, those moments that have yet to come will come quicker. Will come quicker. What does that mean? I have no idea. It's paradum, it's a hike. That's what it means. That, that's the secret of Bidachishana. This is why when the Jews davens that Mashiach should come to Mehera, Mashiach should come quickly, that's, that, that, that's one of the biggest expressions of Amuna. Because what, when you're davening for Mashiach to come quickly, what basically you're saying is, that everything is still in God's hands. Time itself is still in God's hands. There is nothing that's set. There's nothing in my life, there's nothing in the universe that I can say, it is what it is, disconnected from God, it just has its own rules and regulations. When you're davening for Mashiach to come quickly, that is the biggest expression of Amuna. Because what you're saying is, is that nothing is outside of God's jurisdiction. Even time itself is not, is not outside of his jurisdiction. Take a look at Marmokka number six. From the Teferis Yosef, again, this is a, a great grandson of the Yishvitzer, Amasechus Tainus. So again, also from the Yishvitzer, that the Yishvitzer taught, the, the coming of Mashiach, which is going to be, Bez Hashem, Mehera, quickly. It's going to come quickly because of our Avoida. We're going to do Avoida to bring Mashiach quickly. He said the pasuk. It says that the the the, the saviors will come to Hartzion, right, to judge the Haresav. It doesn't say those that are being saved will make their way to Eretz Yisrael. Right? It's describing Kal Yisrael. That Kal Yisrael will get to Eretz Yisrael. Mashiach comes. So how would you describe us with Mashiach? Noishim, those that have been saved. But it doesn't say the Elamashiim, the ones that are saving. Meaning, because of our Avadis Hashem, will be as if we brought the redemption ourselves. And, and so that's what the Israel said. And then the Israel said, and what exactly is the biggest Avadis we can do in order for Mashiach to come quickly? So he says, the biggest avoid, one of the biggest avoids we could do is to daven and to hope and to pray that Mashiach will come quickly. And by praying and hoping that Mashiach will come quickly, that's such a big avoida that that will make it that when Mashiach comes, it's mamish because of us. What's the big avoid of wanting Mashiach to come quickly? Well, who wouldn't want Mashiach to come quickly? The answer is the oimik of that tefillah that Mashiach should come meher v'yameinu is not just like not, not just for Hashem to say, okay, you know what, two hundred ten years is good enough. No, no, it means that you're able to reveal that even within 210 years, you could still have 260 years. How? I have no idea. But God can do it. He can do it. This is what it means, let's go back to the beginning. This is what it means that Pesach, despite the fact that Pesach was redemption that was quickly, that was quick, it was bichipazin, it was hastily, it was only 210, and it did not make its way to 260, that is still capable of being the root of all redemptions. 
Because I, how could it be? If we want the full redemption to be complete, which means you have to wait till everything on the conveyor belt passes by you, and yet the root of that redemption is Mitzrayim, which is what? Which is a redemption that came early. So how do, how do those two things go together? The answer is Parsha's para. The answer is Parsha's para. Because Parsha's para tells you that time itself is a construct that's still beyond Hashem. Time itself, which, is, which results in death, which results in contamination, it itself can be changed. It itself can be changed. And that mitzvah itself, it, it, you know, as we all know, that the para you know, contaminates the pure, purifies the impure. It's a chayik, it doesn't make any sense. And that's exactly the point, because even tar, everything that we have, we don't have full control over. If you have full control over something, means you understand it. If you don't understand something, means you don't have full control over it. And that's exactly what paraduma is. And all this is rooted in Purim. What's Purim? Nature itself was shown to be still beyond Hashem. On its most basic level, that's what Purim is. Right? Hashem created the world of nature. And nature goes. And Haman, Kiyad al Amalek comes and tries to wipe, to try to deepen that mechitza between Yudke and Vavke. Right? That's, that's what Amalek is about. And Kiyad al Hashem says, I'm going to bring the Yantav of Purim to destroy Amalek by revealing this truth that all there is is Yudke. The Rizal said, the Mashiach comes, the name Yudke Vavke will be redefined as Yudke Yudke. Because that's what, God, that's what Purim revealed us. Purim began this revelation that what, that what you think is fully baked and fully given over to the world and Hashem has relinquished control over, it's still Biyad Hashem. Nature is Biyad Hashem. The Gairol of Haman, which is complete coincidence, was being decided by the Rabbanu Shalom. That light of Purim manifests itself, takes it to the next level in Para, which is, forget nature. Time itself is, 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 is still manipulable. It, it could be Be'itach Yishen at the same time. And that's how you could celebrate Pesach with, with, in full and really embracing Pesach as the beginning of a full redemption. And Pesach, therefore, is the, is, is the Yontif that that gives us the capability of wanting Mashiach now, the Meher Vimeinu. That's why you know one of the one of the I'm just thinking about this now, one of the Adir Adirhu, right? Uh, at the end of uh, the end of the Seder night, the end of uh, the Haggadah. So how does it go? The Meher of Meher of Yimeinu, right? That, that that that's one of the it's 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 so it's it's written as a nigan, so nigunim repeat themselves, but it's very strange for there to be a nusach uh, you know, just quickly, quickly. And what does it have to do with Pesach? What does it have to do with Gauls? We're, we're describing Gula, the Gula Shlema. The Gula Shlema should be Meher V'yameinu. Because that's the secret of Gula. That what happens, what should take 260 years, can be condensed in 210. I, how does that work? There's a certain time frame of conversion. It has to move. That's Paraduma. That's Paraduma. Nope. So Hashem should help us as we prepare ourselves, getting ready for Pesach, we've mechazeg ourselves. There's nothing in this world that's fully ours. And that, for a guy, is terrifying. But for a year, with Nishmas Yisrael, that's the root of confidence. We should be zaycha to embrace that, to have the tahara of the parshas para, and be zaycha to uh, see the gula shleim of amitis, meher v'meinu amen. Amen.